Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, January 12th, the Partying Like an Introvert edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is nine and three quarters, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Zach Rosen. I make the Best Advice Show podcast. I am the dad to Noah, who's five, and Ami, who's two. We live in Detroit. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's eight, and Teddy, who's six. And we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Well, today on the show, we're going to be answering a very relatable question about how to navigate group settings when you're an introvert. We're also going to be catching up on our weekend parenting, of course. And if you're sticking around for Slate Plus, we're going to be chatting about the 2023 parenting trends that we think are going to be popular and the trends we hope we'll see. Here's a peek of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. And I have one thing. This is a hot take, and I'm 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 nervous to to say it because I might actually be offending the people on the call. I'm not sure what <laughs> your, your annual ritual is. But I think it's got to stop. The holiday card. Ah, uh, okay. we don't do it. Do you, Jamila? Do you send one? I, st- I haven't done one in years. We haven't done one in years. I can't get it together. But here's the thing: I love getting them. What do you do with them? Oh my gosh, Zach! I have a million things you can do. With them. <laughs> Could be a whole. You actually segment. have an answer to this. Of course, you do. All right, we're gonna dive into our triumphs and fails of the week, but not before a quick break. See you here in a second. All right, Elizabeth, why don't you go first? Triumph or fail this week? Okay, well, I am bringing you more fails from our road trip. So if you <laughs> joined us last week, <laughs> uh, I was in Vegas with the kids, and they were not having the best time. Like, I, we had good experiences, but they were not very pleased about that portion of the trip. Well, the, the rest of the trip, we we left there, and we were going to drive to Grand Canyon and then to Petrified Forest National Park. All of that happened. It was wonderful. But this trip was plagued with what I would call, like, paper cuts at every turn. So sometimes we have big trip fails, right? Like someone gets sick or we get in a car accident, like those sort of things. This was not that. This was, like... I'm not sure if I shared last week, but the trip started off with um, us pulling into the Denver parking lot and it being icy and I slipped and I cut my hand and I didn't have Band-Aids with me. And it was Mm. like this whole thing. And um, we booked a particular hotel in Vegas thinking that it would have a pool. And we get there and the pool is like gone. I should say in winter, most of the hotels in Vegas cost about the same (laughs) So we had booked this one just for the pool. It was not particularly well located. It was not, you know, the nicest that we could have gotten for the exact same price, but we booked it for the pool. But at that point, we didn't want to move. Then we like go to the Flamingo to see the Flamingos. Well, they are off exhibit because of avian flu. Um, We get to the Hoover Dam to take a tour and we get down to the tour. You have to pay $10 to park and go through all the security. We get down there like... Uh, we're closed today. We're like, what? And they're like, oh, yes, we've had something happen that we can't talk about, but we're totally closed. You're welcome to like walk over the dam. We're like, okay, great recovery. Uh, we're at the Grand Canyon and there was so much snow. It was beautiful. And Teddy is like making snowballs and playing with them and somehow his glove falls over the side of the (laughs) the Grand Canyon. (laughs) We had planned this whole trip to like hit this other national park or national monument called Sunset Crater. Their visitor center is closed on Thursday because of staffing. 
meteor crater. We get there. My kids are really into the Junior Ranger badges. The guy's like, oh, man, we're out of badges. <laughs> so the kids have done all oh, this work no. and no badge. The kicker comes, though. We're at the Las Vegas airport in one of the lounges there. Thankfully, one of our credit cards gets us in because our flight had been delayed and then like moved again. And so we were there. We need a dinner. We go to the lounge. We get all the kids seated and Jeff goes up to get food. And while he is up there, someone spills like hot, hot soup on him. Oh my and God. it's all down his shirt. It's on his arm. The staff is like trying to help him. We get it off. I, I thankfully in our carry on have a change of clothes for everyone because we've done this before. Um, he is on his way to go change. And this woman, the manager comes up and says, you know, I need your name. I need this. I'm required to call the paramedics. <laughs> and so, you know, the kids are like, maybe the stretcher's going to come. And I'm like, surely they're just going to like send a guy with some Band-Aids. No, you guys, the fire department came. A stretcher pulled up in front of our little table. They cleared the table <laughs> around us. Jeff was totally fine. I mean, th- they're being prudent, right? But he's totally fine. I mean, it was a hot liquid like on his arm. I We had to speak to like two or three different levels of managers who came to check. At some point, the like radio got muffled and they thought he was a four-year-old. So they were like, where is the baby? And I'm like, no, this is the person that got burned. And they're like looking at Jeff, like, where's the baby? And I'm like, no, no, he's 40, not four. <laughs> it was a whole like kerfuffle, but we did get on the plane. We got back. Um, I asked the kids, like, what was your favorite part? And of course, it is the stretcher showing up uh, for Jeff. There you go. <laughs> uh, for him to get his vitals taken at the Las Vegas airport. A thrilling journey that we will always remember. Wow. So I've got some follow-ups. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Did you get a free dinner? Uh, with the soup? Well, it was free. The lounge is, you know, it's just the food at the lounge. So Oh, you didn't even have to pay. We didn't right. even have to pay, no. Have you ever had this many strikes, like, on a trip? No, and I, I think that's the thing. We are, like, very, I'm sure you know, type A, like, this trip was very last minute. We were just like, we need to get out of the house. Where can we fly for cheap? So we expected some things. But I feel like Jeff and I are really good at pivoting in the moment. And once we took the first couple hits, we were like, all right, great. <laughs> like the rest of the trip will be totally fine because this stuff happens, right? Pools are closed. And we kept mm-hmm. telling the kids that like in life, not everything works out. But I have never mm-hmm. had every day. It was like by the end, we'd wake up in the morning and think, what's going to happen today? What will be closed today? And like I said, none of them were trip ending. None of them ruined our day. Nothing like that, which we have certainly had. But it just felt like every day we were going to get paper cut. (laughs) That's great. How did the kids react to these disappointments? I mean, is it a big deal to them? Or are they kind of like still, hey, we're on vacation mode. We're out doing stuff. It's fine. The flamingos were like, like Oliver cried. Um, He was so mad. You know, the pools, I think they were pretty disappointed about because particularly the pool at the Vegas hotel, we had been like, hey, when mom's recording, dad's going to take you to this cool pool. And we had like showed them pictures. This pool is now like gone. You know, by the end, I think they were taking our lead. Like when the lady said like, oh, the Hoover Dam is closed. And we were like, why? (laughs) You know, Henry was like, of course, of course, the Hoover Dam is closed. Of course, they won't tell us why. Right. (laughs) You know, Uh I, it's an important lesson, but it does just mm-hmm. feel like, oh, okay, <laughs> like, we, what are we going to do with this hour that we're supposed to be on this tour? You know, if you're wondering, it's Hangout on the State Line, which my kids found endlessly fascinating <laughs> because there's two different time zones. Uh-huh. And they just made hundreds of jokes about speaking to us from the future or the past. So that is what we did with our hour. Doesn't that just speak to how 
unpredictable and awesome kids are that their two favorite things were this random ass state line thing that you couldn't have predicted and the stretcher like yeah you know they don't require much they just require some weird little detail and then they just cling on to it they love i mean i am a hundred percent sure that those are the two things that oliver is sharing at his homeschool academy today for his share time <laughs> it's his dad <laughs> you know? getting burnt by soup and getting dad mistaken getting for a baby soup. classic yes. <laughs> Memories that'll last us a lifetime. <laughs> so that's how we spent our last week. <laughs> what about you guys? So we just are coming off of two and a half weeks of, of Noah's school break. One week of which we spent up north with friends, like I mentioned last week, but we still had to account for another full week when we got back after New Year's. And, uh, you know, I took a day or two. Sheer took a day or two. Her aunt took a day. But we scheduled like a week before a play date for Noah with one of her friends from school a house that she hadn't yet been to. When I think about it, I think she's only been to like two actual play dates where we've dropped her off and left. Um, and these are at two different friends' houses. And I didn't even think much of it, but like a week before she had this play date scheduled, she started telling us like she was scared. She didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of classic, classic kid stuff. And I was like, that's fine. You know, I'll go with you. And if you're scared like i won't i won't leave like no big deal you got nothing to worry about she's like but i really don't want to go and then i think we got her to go by saying oh but we heard that your friend has actually some really cool toys she's like okay i guess i'll go um and so we go i schmooze with the mom a little bit and you know uh watch noah and her friend go and get a little tour of the house and you know not surprisingly within five minutes she's like okay dad you can go and it was just this little triumph and just this this little reminder that like when our kids are this young pretty much like everything they do is new and just to like be in this weird unpredictable world is not so easy when you don't have any precedent for like what you're about to do and so i was just in awe of her for just like overcoming that fear and then afterwards being being proud of it she's like dad i didn't even i wasn't even that scared I had a great time, and it was it was just sweet. Small triumph. That is super sweet. I think that's like a big triumph because that's something a lot of adults face. I mean, I know, even though I love going out and being with people, how many times, like, right before you have to get ready to go or do something new, are you just like, I don't want to do this? <laughs> right. All the time. Right? Every time. What you did for her is put this into her head, like, I'm going to be there for you, and we're going to go because I know you're going to be okay, but mm-hmm. if not, I'm here for you. If you extrapolate that down the line, right, if you if that continues to be kind of her inner dialogue, it's like, when she's older, you're just a phone call away. And I think that is such a nice safety net to feel like your parents have you in that way. And they're not going to be like, mm-hmm. well, why are you scared? You know, like, there's no judgment. Like, yeah, this is new. This is scary. But yeah. I know you can do it. And... If it doesn't go our way, I'm still there for you. I don't know. I think that's lovely. I think so, too. That's a huge triumph. Um, somebody who has a bit of social anxiety myself, just knowing that she went over there and, like, felt confident about it, had a good time, that is major. Um, yeah. Because there are kids who, you know, absolutely adore their friends, but the idea of just, like, going to their houses is just a bit too much for them to handle, you know? Different smells. Different smells, different adults, different mm-hmm. foods, different everything. Yeah. Um, well, I don't have a major fail this week, just a minor one live <laughs> from this morning. 
today is actually Naima's first day back in school after three weeks. Uh, she was supposed to go yesterday, but she had an emergency dental appointment and it was kind of rough. And so she didn't end up going to school at all. So we had a very sweet, very cuddly day yesterday, but today we had to get back in the habit. And I was so nervous for this. I mean, for three weeks, I've been thinking about, oh my God, I've been sleeping in not having to be up at 6.30 in the morning. And now we're going to have to do that again. Mm. And so I got us up on time, out the door on time, cute outfit for her, fresh first day fit or whatever. You know, everything's <laughs> great. We play heads up in the car. It's wonderful. You know, no attitude, just a really great morning. Mornings can be rough sometimes. So this was just an all in all great morning. And as soon as I pull up to the school, I noticed like three other kids coming out of their parents' cars holding their instruments because Tuesday is orchestra day and Naima is currently playing the trumpet. I thought about her trumpet sitting right next to the door where we left it and that it had not crossed anyone's mind this morning, not even so much as a passing thought. And so I saw her face and I said, okay, I'll go get it. And I did. And that was fun. California is having like completely unprecedented, terrible weather. It's been raining for two days. It was raining really hard. So that was, you know, a nice little 25 minutes there, <laughs> 25 minutes back. In addition to the 25 minutes it took to get there the first time. Uh, well, I guess I did the drive four times, didn't I? Because <laughs> they're back, there again, back again. Um but she has her instrument and she had it in time for class. So as much of a fail as it felt like for me, and it started my day off on kind of a blah note, I'm just glad that the instrument made it to her so she wasn't late for her orchestra class. You're Triumph. a good mom. I don't Triumph. think you get to take a fail for that. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that was good momming. That's yeah. a triumph. The horn is in her hands. The horn is in her hands. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to take another quick break. We'll see you right back here with our listener question. All right, we're back and it's time for our question, which is being read as always by the fabulous Shasha Leonard. Dear mom and dad, any advice to help introverted kids participate more in group settings like birthday parties? I have a very generous, kind, smart, confident seven-year-old. Who prefers one-on-one -on -one interactions? My husband and I aren't looking to change who she is, but we do want to help her with strategies to negotiate group settings. She's okay doing her own thing and gets along well with classmates, but at birthday parties, she'll separate herself out from the group to eat and play alone. It kind of breaks my heart. We're also doing more drop-off parties, so I worry about what I'm not seeing. She's greeted warmly by her peers at these events, and we're encouraging her to reciprocate by explaining that it shows kindness and respect to acknowledge others warmly, too. She always says she had a good time, and we make sure she has a say in attending the parties, so it's not something we are trying to force on her. She decided to have a smaller group sleepover for her own birthday in March. Any tips or advice on how to make group settings like this more comfortable and enjoyable for her would be appreciated. Thanks. Not a party person. What do you think, Zach? Well, I think your seven-year-old seems like a badass. They seem really cool. And they just seem like an introvert, which half of us are. I, I was doing a little research on this. 
50%, give or take, of the population is an introvert. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Um, I think it's only expressing itself at parties, at these kind of outwardly extroverted events. And, and, and I think that's good that you're, you're trying to explain to her um, that it shows kindness and respect to acknowledge others warmly. I think that's totally a practice. I think back to um, my grandfather, like the kind of foundational lesson that he taught us was to shake people's hands firmly and look them in the eye when you meet them. And I carry that with me today, um, even though our handshake's over. We, uh, we haven't, handshakes might be part of the past, but looking people in the eye is is something that I didn't know how to do and I learned it. So I think that's great, but I don't think you have anything to worry about here. Do you two remember that book? It, it was really popular. Um, it came out 10 years ago. It's by Susan Cain. It's called Quiet. Mm. It's. Mm-hmm. I remembered hearing about that book a lot. And then when I read this question, I went back and, and dug into it a little bit. It's called Quiet, the Power of Introverts in a World that Can't Stop Talking. And the author, Susan Cain, is kind of making an argument for the fact that it's not a deficit. Half of us are introverts. And in fact, like in the 1900s, we lived in what historians called like a culture of character. And I'm reading from this this article about the book. We lived in what historians called a culture of character when you were expected to conduct yourself morally with quiet integrity. But then when people started flocking to the cities and working for big businesses uh, in the 20th century, the question became, how do I stand out in a crowd? We morphed into a culture of personality. And so... Again, like this introverted little person of yours is not unique, and um, I don't think you have you have to worry here. Yeah, I wonder too if the parents are extroverts only because I have you know Oliver, who is our introvert in a family of extroverts. And um, Quiet was actually one of the books recommended to me by our occupational therapist because some of the behaviors that I was worried about early on are actually just Oliver being introverted, and they look problematic to me as an extrovert. (laughs) And she just really encouraged me to check in, you know, with him, like, did you have a good time? Do you feel like you have friends at school? Is there anything I can help you with? Like those sort of check-ins, because if they're fine, then you're fine. If Mm -hmm. they don't feel lonely sitting alone at lunch, there's not a problem, right? If they feel lonely or you suspect something else is going on. And I bring that up because of the line in the question where she says um, she's greeted warmly by her peers at these events and we are encouraging her to reciprocate. I think that if what you're noticing is some kind of lack of participating in some social norms, that that is something to have evaluated by an occupational therapist. That is what they are there to do if you're worried about something else going on, that it's beyond just introversion, that they don't know what to do in these social settings. When they're greeted, they feel awkward. They won't make eye contact. They don't know what script is going on. So there's a big difference between Mm -hmm. like, I understand the script that's going on, but my role is kind of more, um, I say hi, but then I'm going to play and kind of be watching and on the outside versus like, I watch this interaction and I realize that my child does not know what is expected of them or what is going on. And if that is the case, I think that you should talk to your doctor. Occupational therapy does basically friendship coaching and socialization Hmm. skills that doesn't look at like introversion as a problem, but looks at like, are you reading the social situation in, in the way that it's happening? And can you participate in what's going on? Or are you not participating because you don't understand what's going on? And I, I think there's a, a nuance there because in order to succeed 
in society, you have to understand what's going on and then understand, you know, your choices in that. So if that's what you think is going on, and I'm basing that entirely on this one one sentence, it may just be that you have an introvert and she's perfectly happy. It sounds like if she had a successful sleepover, the only advice I can give you is that if you think that she thinks it's a problem, what you may need to do is have her essentially adopted by an extrovert. (laughs) So if there is an extrovert that she is getting along with and she already likes, you can really do that by fostering that one-on-one time. Um, Because I do think that if they don't know how to enter but want to be part of that, so they want to sit with a group but they feel awkward, sometimes building a relationship with someone who is naturally more dominant in these social situations to say, you know, Jamila, come sit with me, or Zach, come sit with me, like, you're going to be here, is is a good way to do that. And just, you know, one-on-one playdates are are great for that. So if there's someone that you feel like she wants to build, or another introvert, I mean, it doesn't have to be an extrovert, but an extrovert will do some of that work for her. But I would say that you should only do that if that's what she is craving. The other thing I was going to say is that when I drop Oliver off at these parties, especially if it's with a parent that doesn't know Oliver, I will just say, like, He's kind of quieter if you can just keep an eye on him, only because he will kind of wander off and and not not wander off physically, <laughs> but kind of like mentally wander off and mm. not know that like they're doing a pinata or that they're doing something because he's engaged in something else. And so I just try to give the parent a heads up like he's a great kid, but he does tend to kind of not always know what's going on. If you can just keep an eye out for him, make sure he's included in the group. And I think any parent, is ha- especially at a party, is happy to play that role, just yeah. making sure, hey, do you want to join us, right? Like, not you have to do this, but are you interested in in coming to join us? Yeah, no, I mean, I co-sign everything both of you all have said. I definitely think it's important to check the happiness meter and see, you know, is she really enjoying herself at these parties, you know, in spite of the fact that she's not really talking to anyone or is she sitting there wishing that she has someone to talk to, you know, and identifying which is which will help you figure out how to proceed, you know, whether you need to work on identifying that friend, you know, you know, Sarah's going to be there. We were thinking it'd be great if you two sat together or maybe you know I can pick Sarah up on the way to the party and you all ride there together you know so they're coming with someone I also just as the pro therapy person that I am think that having an evaluation would be helpful if this seems to be a behavior that's carrying out beyond just you know school birthday parties or Um, new classroom settings that if you feel that your child could use some support in this regard, then I I think it's important to go out and get it. The fact that your daughter is still opting into these parties, I think is a good sign. And I, and I really like that you are making it voluntary and the fact that you are, you're giving them an out and they're not taking it. I think that's, I think that probably says something. I agree. I think that if she were truly suffering or, you know, having a bad time going to these events, she would probably let you know. Yeah, yeah she's not little. Like, I, I feel like a seven-year-old. I mean, to be honest, you've had a seven-year-old girl. <laughs> yeah, they can. They, they tell you how they feel about things. You know, if they don't want to go somewhere, they will generally let you know, I don't mm-hmm. want to go there. I don't want to do this. Um, So the fact that she's happily attending these parties, I think, says a lot. 
And sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, you all mentioned that these could be extrovert parents. It is hard when our children are different from us. You know, we expect them to do things the way that we do them and to see the world the way that we see it. But she might really be happy just kind of being a fly on the wall and observing other people in these social settings. And that's okay, too. Yeah. All right. Well, Letter Writer, please feel free to get back to us and let us know how the next party goes. And in the meantime, if there's anyone else out there who has advice that they'd like to share, send it on over. Mom and Dad at Slate.com. That's also where you can reach us if you have questions of your own. And just like that, that's it for our show. We'll be back in your feed on Monday. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast so you'll never miss an episode. Finally, we are still collecting your best stories of being parent-shamed in public by a stranger. We're going to do a little segment, and we want to hear from as many of you as possible. You can participate by recording a voice memo and emailing it to slate.com. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Moira Curry. For Zach Rosen and Elizabeth Newcamp, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thank you for listening. All right, Slate Plus listeners, we ran across a list of parenting trends for 2023 in Metro Parent, and that got us to thinking about parenting trends we would like to see in 2023, or perhaps ones that we hope will go away. Zach or Elizabeth, what trends do you think will be popular this year? I don't know how much of a finger I have on the pulse of parenting reality, but I hope that we go back to kind of like unstructured outdoor time, Mm -hmm. more game nights, back to those more simple things to take some of the pressure off parenting. I feel like we sampled some of that in the craziness that was COVID, but on top of all of the other things we had to do. And then it was like, we came out of COVID and we wanted to do all the things, right? Like, how do we do all this? How do we do it safely? We're like negotiating that. I hope that we have reached some point where we just say like, okay, I want to take the things that I found really joyful and that were simple and didn't take a whole lot of planning. And I want to leave behind a lot of the stuff that that stressed me out. So that's written about in this piece, yeah. the, the simplification. And the other point that was made that I appreciate is letting go of the shoulds, supposed tos, and have tos. Like, don't do that stuff all the all the stuff that we do just because aren't we supposed to be doing this um I, I love that i know it's a lot easier said than done but totally let go of that and i have one thing this is a hot take and i'm i'm nervous to say it because i might actually be offending the people on the call i'm not sure what <laughs> your, your annual ritual is and this is more of an indictment on my family's inability to do this thing than the people who do this thing year after year. But I think it's got to stop. The holiday card. Ah. Uh, okay. We don't do it. Do you, Jamila, do you send one? I, st- I haven't done one in years. We haven't done one in years. I can't Gave get up. it together. But here's the thing. I love getting them. What do you do with them? Oh, my gosh. Zach, I have a million things you can do with them. <laughs> Could be a whole nother You actually segment. have an answer to this. Of course you do. Okay, I hang them up in the house, but then you know what I do? Okay, uh, this is the thing I do that I love the most. I take a picture of them <laughs> and I assign them to the contacts in my phone. Oh my god. Uh, oh my god. You, Elizabeth. 
You're the reason the holiday car won't die. <laughs> I take all the blame here. Oh I don't God. send them, but I, lo- I love them. I love them so you much. I hear you, them. though. Like, uh, I, like I, we have Instagram. I see your yeah, family okay, totally, all the time. To- you're no. you're beautiful. I love Fair. seeing. I love seeing you in public. I love seeing you on the internet. I love seeing your faces. You're so cute. But the fact that you are able to get your family in a coordinated outfit, in some fucking sapia tone light, and like in October, pr- like you did out. this in October. You did this. How in do October. you? How do people have? I'm 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 impressed and then insulted. That's the kind of the the, the two step. <laughs> process for me how do you have the energy to do this and then it makes me feel um insufficient but i we put them on our fridge but what i'm doing now i'm just like taking last year's down and putting this year's on the fridge it's like Mm -hmm. i know what your cute family looks like you don't have to to do this i do like getting it in the mail but then i look at it once then it's like all right am i a monster for just throwing it directly in the recycling bin no, no, you're not. I haven't even taken mine out the mailbox yet. I'm going to do that today. Isn't that awful? Like, I kind of dread them now. It's like, oh, it makes me feel so wait, inadequate. Still, wait, like, wait, wait, back up. They're still in the right. mailbox? I still, have holi- I still have some holiday cards in the mailbox. <laughs> like, it's a thing. It, it just, it's, I, yeah. I, I did it the first few years in Naima's life. And, you know, they were random pictures, too. Like, we never went to a studio. You know, I think they were just mm-hmm. cute pictures that we had gotten. And we just don't get cute pictures of us. And, like, being a single parent, it's hard. You know, I mean, I have a tri- I guess I could set up a tripod and try to take a picture of us or whatever. But it's just like, come on. Like, I don't really need to be reminded that everyone else's family is perfect. Mm-hmm. And mine is just hanging along by a string. And that's what I feel like every mm-hmm. Instagram <laughs> mailed to you. And I love the idea of getting your own family portraits taken. I think that's beautiful. But why do you have mm-hmm. to go and and share it with everyone? Right. And all at Eagle the same maniacs. time. I'm just kidding. And all at the same time of year. Um, right. Like. And how are y'all wearing right. overalls? How do y'all all have such cute little outfits? It's just so. Uh, <laughs> I am. I have a friend who listens to the show who does a beautiful holiday card every year. They're all so beautiful. Wanna, they're lovely. I don't want to make you feel bad or feel like I don't appreciate getting them. They're just a little bit, you know, a little jealousy inducing, if you will. This is what you get on Slate Plus. You get yeah. the snark. <laughs> yeah, you get, <laughs> you get the snark. I do feel like the problem I have now is since we don't send one, I feel like we get them and I, I like... <laughs> I'm so crazy. As I say this now out loud, I, I'm crazy. Um, when I get the holiday card, I email people. Thank you so much for your Harley card. It's so beautiful. Like this. We're not sending one this year. We haven't sent one in years. Like, I don't want people wow. to think like they were not on the list, you know, like that right. I sent them, but they didn't get one. I'm just like, nobody got one. <laughs> nobody got one. You're a monster, Elizabeth. Uh, all of this could have been fixed with an email. That's all I'm saying. This could have been an email. In terms of trends, I do hope, and this is not a trend from 2022 per se, but, you know, going back to summer of 2020 and America's great racial reckoning, there is this, you know, widespread interest in talking to children about racism and bias. And I'm hope, you know, I'm curious because I'm not really at this point in community with non-Black families. You know, I don't know how these conversations are going and how seriously people are continuing to take this stuff. But I am really hoping that that remains a trend just mm. because, you know, not a trend, but that just becomes a part of our society and that talking to children from a young age about race and identity just becomes normalized, you know, 
far too many families, you know, take the easy way out, which is protecting their children from the discomfort of having to confront racism or privilege. And, you know, the consequences are, of course, high for those who don't have those privileges, who can't avoid those conversations. So I'm hoping that that is still part of what, you know, parents are seeing as their duty. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, unfortunately, like with all things, the families that are doing it and took it seriously continue to do it. And the families that never thought it was important continue to not mm. think it's important yeah the more you do it the easier it gets to talk about it, it doesn't fix the situation but yeah that's a good one let's hope for that totally all right well slate plus listeners we're always curious to hear what you're thinking about and what sort of parenting trends you're following you can always shoot us a note at mom and dad at slate.com And with that, thank you for listening. Thank you for your support of Slate and for being a Slate Plus subscriber. We truly appreciate you. We will be back here on Monday and be sure to join us on Thursday for another bonus segment. Bye.